Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have an amazing guest. He's Dr. Tom Burns out of Austin, Texas, still practicing orthopedic surgeon, heading into surgery after tonight's talk. Sorry to hear that, Tom. And uh, we're just really glad to have you with us. He's the co-founder and one of the partners in a venture called Presario Ventures out of Austin, Texas, specializing in new construction apartments, although they're in many different asset classes, including medical office and various other things, but they specialize in new construction apartments where they build literally hundreds and hundreds of new construction units every year while Tom is still actively running his surgery. So with that, uh, great to have you here, Tom. Thanks, Victor. I appreciate it. And Victor as well, a dear friend, but you weren't very nice to me making me follow Russell Gray, you know, so I understand why that was 87% uh, <laughs> exciting. So what a great, what a great person to have and a, a deep thinker and a real organized thinker. Yeah, he sure is. He sure is. Glad to be here. <laughs> So Tom, maybe the place to start, why don't you give us a little bit of your origin story as it relates to real estate? I think there was a little purple book at the beginning of it somewhere. It, yep. Uh, pretty inauspicious beginning. You know, as Victor mentioned, I'm, I'm, you know, a surgeon by trade. So I, you know, I started in the medical world. Uh, I actually started as an athlete, but wasn't going to get paid for it. So I went into medicine, um, had no financial training in my medical in my medical training, I started noticing people that do that I was supposed to emulate to do what I do. And they were complaining. And I thought they were making tons of money. They were complaining about control and things like that. And they were just basically working for their money. Uh, I felt there was I felt that there probably ought to be something that wasn't correlated to medicine. I thought it would be prudent to have some income outside of medicine. That's where I fell on real estate. I looked at a number of things, but real estate fit fit the schedule of a busy surgeon. You know, I could do it part-time. I could do it on weekends with partners or not. So, and it was slow enough moving that I could, I could learn as I, I moved along. So that's really how I started with zero training. So if, if anybody out there's never done anything before, you can, you can start and you can do well and probably do it faster than somebody like me. So I just started learning about real estate. Um, started going to seminars, started reading books uh, and, and, you know, basically was moving along in my medical career with kind of this burning the candle at both ends. Somewhere in that process, in about 1997, I had I'd sort of been on, on the path already and had, had picked up a, a little bit of real estate and ran across a purple book uh, that kind of has its own story. Um, but I did read Robert Kiyosaki's book and that, that, uh, that really cemented and crystallized what I was doing, at least in my mind. Um, kind of cemented the term passive income to me. I knew I wanted stuff I didn't have to work for or have to do surgery or see patients for. And so that's where I kind of learned the word passive income. Um, became friends with Robert and we've, we've been friends for the last 22 years or so and um, read every book he brings out. And then it's, you know, he's a consummate teacher. But kind of at, as I learned, I started small. I mean, I started with like the statistics you showed at the beginning. My first, you know, my first product was a, you know, a, a single, a two bedroom, one bath condo, still own it today, just got the check today. I was looking at it to see if I'd had any, any issues. So I, I learned that market, um, you know, bought some crummy little house in North Austin one time, but the reason I bought it is because it had a, had a cell phone tower on it. And that was constant income. You know, it was wired to my account 
every month and it was enough to cover everything. So the houses were extra. Uh, it was not a pretty property. So I, you know, started small. I became, became really, really educated in the student, uh, the student world, uh, particularly at the University of Texas. And I got to a point where I could, I could buy something over the phone. I knew it was a deal. Um, and that went on for a while until it got more discovered. And, you know, as you, as you're in the market doing things and learning things, people sort of know you're there. They come to you, they, they bring deals to you. They want to do things together. That started happening. And as the, as I, as I got to where I wanted to learn more, I was reading and I was doing stuff. You know, you can take seminars, you can read books, but you really learn the most when you're out there doing it on your own and making mistakes. And I made tons. I made zillions of mistakes. Um, and so I, I went up to a guy and said, look, I, he was a friend of mine. He was a developer. I said, I like what you do. Will you teach me? And he said, yes. And so I worked for him for two years. As an orthopedic surgeon, I did land deals and build the suits with my friend for free. But that morphed into a, a, a good-sized medical office project. He's still a friend. We're still partners. We still own the project. At one point, right around the turn of the millennium, right around 2001, I was at one of Robert Kiyosaki's, one of his seminars. And he got me up to speak. And he said, and basically the reason he got me up was because he wanted to say, look, even doctors can do this because, you know, doctors, they know everything, right? And so he was trying to show that he, even doctors, if they kind of listen and stow their ego a little bit, can, can learn some stuff. Well, and, he's uh, railing against doctors. In fact, if you play the cash flow game, if you're the doctor, you, you say, oh, shoot, I didn't want to get that card because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose now. Absolutely. Yeah. All the do that. Yeah, exactly. And that was, the, that was the point of why he brought me up. We'll say, you know, like Tom sort of broke the mold. You know, he's, look, he's a doctor and even he can do it. So if he can do it, anybody can. This kind of was his point. And so at that conference, nice young guy and his fiance came up and said, hey, we're from, we're from the Bay Area. We're moving to Austin and going into real estate. Will you be our friend? You know, will you be our contact in Austin, Texas? I said, sure. And that's my partner, Darren, that you know very well. And that was, uh, that was close to 20 years ago. And uh, we've been friends and partners for a long time. So it just did, it did this, you know, it just did that. So uh, as they always say, you learn, you make mistakes, two steps forward, one step back, the deals just get bigger. The amount of work sometimes is the same, but as your education grows, it just feels like you're doing the same amount of work. So it started with an $83,000 condo and you know, now we do 300 units at a time. So that's kind of where we are now. We develop apartments, we acquire when it makes sense. Uh, we haven't acquired anything the last couple of years because it hasn't made sense. And right now we're pretty much developing new apartments. And here we are today. Yeah, I love it. So talk a little bit about uh, who you surround yourself with. I know you've got some friends that are big brand names, guys like Gary Keller. You don't talk too much real estate when you hang out with him, mostly play guitar, but uh, how important has that been in your personal development as well? It, it's hugely important. You know, like Jim Rohn says, you're the product of the, you're the average of the five people you hang around the most. And so, you know, a lot of the people that, that I'm with, they, they are, they push you, they push me. You know, I, I often, I often look at most of the people, you know, in fact, Victor and Rich, I look and say, you know, how do they, how do they do some of the things they do? So it, it teaches you, it pushes you and teaches you how to stretch. And, you know, sometimes you stretch, without even knowing it. And, you know, you look back a year, a year before you realize that you're, you're sort of a bigger person, your capacity's more. So 
I learn from them and they, they, everybody thinks different. You know, as you say, Gary Keller, Gary's a philosopher. We barely talk real estate because he likes to use cash. I, you know, I like debt, you know, but we love guitars. So we talk together about guitars. You can see I've got one in the background there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but his collection's fabulous. I've held some of the, some really expensive guitars from Gary, but we talk and he helps talk to me about writing books and we talk about real estate occasionally. Kiyosaki's been a friend. The advisor meeting, we, I'm privileged enough to meet with Robert and his advisors a couple of times a year. And, you know, those guys are, they're bright guys. Kenny McElroy, I think is one of the best multifamily mind in the country. You know, he's laid back, he's experienced, he's, you know, he's owned 8,000 units. So I learned from them. I, I generally use both of these and keep the one mouth shut and just try to listen. So I like masterminds because they're different. So I get into masterminds that sometimes don't have to deal with real estate so that I can keep my hand on the pulse of, other people that are excelling in their professions. And I learned from them all. Just keep learning. You know, when I, when I bought that condo, I wasn't thinking I'm going to go do big deals, you know, but it became easy to buy the condos became easy. I literally just, they, he'd call people would just call me. I'd say, I'll take it, you know, cause I just knew that, you know, I knew that market so well. What happened was it was that stretching thing. Don't be afraid to stretch a little bit. Somebody would come to me and say, let's, you know, let's do this thing together. My first stretch was buying. I bought apartments back in early 2000s and uh, got my hat handed to me because I hadn't learned it yet, but it was a good lesson. So don't be afraid to dive in. Uh, you always want to dive in prudently and not leave any money on the table, but it happens. Uh, it's happened to me. So don't rush. Don't be impatient. Be impatient to learn, but don't be impatient to succeed. It will follow you. It will come we do learn the most, you know, you don't learn that much from successfully buying a condo. You learn a whole lot from crapping out on a 22 unit apartment complex when you didn't know what to do. I learned a bunch of lessons and it helped on the next one, which was, you know, 200 unit thing. So they're painful. Sometimes they're monetary. Sometimes they're, they're something else, but try to look at them as lessons. I, I didn't always, when I was in the, in the heat of the moment, Something always comes out of them. Just know that you're going to come out the other end. And something something good's going to happen. Now I know, even if I'm upset, I know something good's going to come from it. I just know. So right now we're in a, obviously in a set of market conditions where I think a lot of people are saying, ooh, shoot, I wish I hadn't done that. You obviously went through 2008. You experienced some of the pain of that. This is obviously different, but it had some similarities. Where is your head at today? Are you saying, ooh, I wish I hadn't done that, or I'm feeling pretty good about things we didn't do or things we did do? You know, I've kind of stopped saying I wish I hadn't done that because I usually make it with the best information I have at the time, but uh, we're calm. Uh, you know, I, I would have checked calm on your uh, on your list, maybe happy place, just because I've been through it a couple of times, you know, got crushed in 2001, did some better stuff in 2008, still made mistakes doing okay now. It's just because I haven't found out what I forgot to do or what mistakes I made during this one. I promise you, catch me in a year. I'll tell you what mistakes I made and what I, what I overlooked. But you know, I just have to keep going through them. So we are calm. We as a company, me, I'm calm. Now, you know, 2008 taught me a bit. So did 2001. So I wanted to make sure that I was prepared for this. So I was, I was building my foxhole for this recession six years ago removing all variable debt, removing any debt that had my name on it, everything's non-recourse or paid for. That's, that was what Tom Burns did for the past several years because I expected this to come earlier. But there's opportunity. It'll come. So one of the forms of debt that you use, and you and I have talked about this quite a bit, you mentioned non-recourse debt. 
And I know you use a product in the United States that doesn't exist in Canada, although there's something similar through CMHC. Use the HUD 221D4 for a lot of new construction. And maybe talk a little bit about why you use that particular type of product and and why it's so central to what you build. Sure. Um, I'll take you back to 2009, coming out of the recession. We had a piece of property. We wanted to build some apartments. GE Capital was going to be our debt. And um, some bad things happened in 2008, 2009. GE Capital went away. Nobody was lending money. And somebody said, go check out this HUD program. So we learned on the fly. We went to HUD. HUD gave us money. That was very beneficial because we were the only apartment complex to come out of the ground in Austin, Texas in, in 2010. And so that gave us a nice big head start. We like HUD because it's 40 years rather than 30. The rate is fixed from, you know, it's essentially fixed for 42 years because you get almost, you get 20 months of interest only for your construction. Then you get 40 years beyond that. And it's fixed from the day you lock your rate. So that eliminates one of your two biggest variables, which are debt and then your taxes. So we eliminated the, ta- the debt. And on this particular project, we eliminated the taxes too. And I can explain that if you wish, but that's a nice deal to eliminate those two things. Um, but we liked it now. And it's got a lot of backstops. Re- reportedly, I have not confirmed this yet. And our HUD attorneys, the top one in the country or one of the top three in the country, and she hasn't confirmed yet, but we hear anywhere from less than one to not yet 2% def- default rate on HUD loans. They're very low. We keep hearing 1%. I just haven't confirmed that yet. So they don't want the they don't want the properties back. They will work with you if it's Armageddon. They will lower your payment. They'll do a, a refinance and reset your loan rate. You eventually have to pay it back, but they don't want that property. There are escrows. There's money set aside when you build a HUD project. They force you to put a big chunk of money aside to build a, a HUD project. So if there's you know, if you have a change order, you want to go from granite to marble, or if you want to change your cabinets or you want to upgrade the pool or something, there's a pool of money that you can use and draw down on. If you're, you know, if you're, if there's other, other construction issues, there's money for it. If you lease up slower than you want to, there's money to cover that. So we like the security and thus so do our investors. And because it's such a secure loan, it's, it's a little bit less than most conventional loans, a few basis points, 15 to 25, just depending on where you are. So, and it's not perfect though. There's a lot of hoops, a lot of hoops you got to jump through. It's, it's an expensive loan to start off with, with fees. It has worked well for us. And the reason we've stuck with it is because it's a consistent product. There aren't as many people in that niche and we've become experts at it. And you know, people in the state of Texas, they know that's what we do. Our project was the National National Apartment of the Year in HUD in 2010, so we got some notoriety. So we decided, knowing that there was going to be something like this coming, we decided to stay within our niche because, you know, when, when the business contracts, at least people are going to look for somebody that's at least expert in their field. So we decided we'd, we'd stay expert in that field and stay in that niche. Oh, look at that. It's Robert Kiyosaki. <laughs> There's Robert. <laughs> here, let's see uh, what he has to say here. Robert Kiyosaki, congratulations on your new book. You know why highly educated doctors don't have any financial education. It's greatly needed because I've met a lot of them, you know, and they may be highly educated, good people, and they're very important, especially today in this fake pandemic we're in. But anyway, they really do need financial education. 
and thank you for being the doctor that provides it to him. Also, once again, as you know, you're the guy that bought the first Rich Dad book years ago in Austin, Texas, at a car wash. And so I always want to congratulate you, thank you, and personally say thank you for being a friend and a teacher in this time of great economic change and turmoil. Congratulations on your new book. <laughs> How did you get that? That was very nice. Thank you. <laughs> So uh, I had Re Robert uh, recorded that yesterday and uh, and sent it to me, and uh, thought that that would be a nice little surprise for you. So maybe that is a great gift. Thank you very much. That was really nice. <laughs> you are so nice. Thanks. So maybe maybe now's the time to tell the the purple book story. Sure. Since uh, since he mentioned it, and then of course talk about your new book, uh, Why Doctors Don't Get Rich. But, you know, I've been so lucky. It's just things just fall sometimes, you know. I think if you stay open, things happen. So, so I've always been a reader. And this was just, you know, so this was 1997, right? So I finished my doctor training in 1991. And it was about 1989 when I thought, you know, crap, I need to learn something outside of medicine. I love medicine. I'm still, as you said, I'm still doing it. I make all of my money in the real estate world, but I still go in in the mornings and I like seeing patients. So, so I'd been reading along and what happened was my family left town. And when my family leaves town, I do errands. So one of those errands was to get my car washed. So I went to this car wash. That's where they, you know, they take your money, they run it through and the guys wipe it down and everything and put all the stuff on it. And so it's a, you know, kind of a higher end car wash. Well, you go inside to pay your bill. So I go to pay my bill and I look on the back and there's, there's a book. I mean, it's a car wash. Nobody sells books and car washes. And it was just a little stack of books and it, had rich on there. You know, it said rich dad, poor dad. Oh, that was kind of, let me see one of those said, what the, what the rich teach their kids about money and the poor and little, poor and middle class don't. I said, yeah, put it on my bill. You know, cause I read everything, right? So I finished my car wash. I go home, I do whatever. Uh, I toss it on my desk and I go do my stuff. So 1130 at night, I'm the only one in the house. I'm going into my, going, going to go to bed. I pass by my office. I just kind of open the book, you know, to see what it's going to be about. It was, it was kind of interesting. And I stood there for a second. I read, you know, I read a page or two. I thought it was interesting. I kind of leaned against the desk and read some more. And eventually I sat down and read some more. And by about 3.30 in the morning, the book was finished. Um, and there I was. It's 3.30 or 4 in the morning. And I had nobody to tell. I had just read the best book I'd ever read in my life. I was at the time in the uh, in network marketing. I was in the Amway business. So I wait till about 6.30. I call up a friend and said, you got to read this book. I read the best book. And he, of course, yeah, okay, sure. You know, next time I see, you, I'll give it to you. So I just made sure he got it. In about a week, he got the book. He calls me up and he goes, you were right. Best book I've ever read in my life. So he calls. There's a number on the inside cover of this book. He calls the number expecting to get the publisher. We just want to find out who this Kawasaki guy was, you know. It's really Kiyosaki, but people mess up the name. Uh, and so he calls and Robert Kiyosaki answers and says, you know, who is this? And he says, you yeah, know, well, my name's Joe. And he said, uh, you know, I got your book. He said, how'd you get it? He goes, I said, you know, a friend gave it to him. He goes, great. And, uh, you know, Robert said, and he said, how many books did you send up? And you know, he bought it in a car wash, you know, because Robert said, well, I, I put a couple dozen in a car wash. And he says, my friend says, how many you got left? And he goes, all of them. Nobody's bought a book yet. And, and my friend says, I'll take them all. But Robert says, you know, who are you? He goes, I'm with Amway. And, you know, we teach people how to make money and stuff like that. So, I had the next day gone and bought all the rest of the books in the car wash, handed them out to friends. I wish I'd have kept more of them, but uh, I kept the one that I bought. And we flew to Arizona, met Robert and Kim, 
he sits us all down. There was probably, you know, eight of us, eight or 10 of us. He sits us all down and we learn to play cash flow. So cash flow is the board game that Robert, so he teaches us how to play cash flow. The book was designed as a brochure to advertise the board game cash flow. We played, we won, my wife won. So I've got in my closet, I've got the, the game that Robert gave her that day for winning. And um, so we spent a day there and we go to Robert's house and he starts hauling books out of his trunk. And I said, I said, dude, I don't want to take all your books. He goes, nobody's going to buy them anyway. Go ahead. And so uh, I took more of his books, handed them out to friends. My friend in Amway was sort of high up. He starts getting Robert inserted into Amway. And eventually Robert's talking to 50,000 people and, or 20,000, however many are in those big auditoriums gets on Amway, it gets into their system, a bunch of books get bought. And then as Robert tells the story, then one day Oprah calls. And he said, the day, I, the day after he was on Oprah, he became famous. So that's kind of the story, you know, 41 million books later. And side story, I kept that book. And, um, you know, I saw Robert one day and I'm talking and I said, you know, I said, do you ever keep any of those books? He goes, no. I said, you know, I got that book. I got the first one. He goes, you got it? I said, yeah. I said, you want it? He said, you know, you'd give it to me. I said, well, sure. You, you know, it's your book. So I gave Robert the first book and they've now got it hanging in the rich dad offices, you know, as the first book ever bought. So that's the purple book story. And it's changed. It's changed a lot of lives. It really did change mine. And I'll promise you, and this is a true story. Whenever I kind of would get down or depressed or need something to cheer me up, I would read rich dad again. I've read rich dad 20 times. I just think Robert's a fabulous communicator and uh, that's the beauty of his book. And so he teaches you how to think, not necessarily how to go out and flip a house. He just teaches you how to think about it and lets you use your own faculties to decide how you want to make money. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the book. You know, hanging out with Robert, Robert, at, at, at one point or another, he said, you know, Tom, you've got a story. And I, I didn't think there was much to it. And, you know, I had written some book chapters and a lot of articles and things like that. And he said, you ought to write a book. And so it's called Why Doctors Don't Get Rich, full credit for the title to Robert Kiyosaki. You know, he's just a master and it's a great title. And it, it has stood the test of the two years that it took me to write it. I didn't want a ghostwriter. I wanted the journey. I wanted to learn. It has been a journey. I've changed a lot and it's, I've learned a lot of things. And so I wrote every word in the book. It, you know, it initially started out, you know, as a way to kind of help doctors or any, any professional or anybody that's, that's busy or anybody with some, some discretionary income uh, that, that wants to do something extra. Even if you don't have extra income, it'll help you get there. During the process, I found out that, you know, a lot of my colleagues are really unhappy. In fact, it hovers around 50%. Uh, at one time or another, wanted to quit medicine. And if you ask them, you know, they'll say, I hate medicine. They say, what do you hate? And they'll talk about all the, you know, all the bureaucracy and all that stuff. They say, I love, but I love my patients. So doctors want to practice medicine. They just don't want to do all the stuff they have to do. You could say they don't get paid as much as they, they used to, but that's baloney. We get paid really well. I mean, we just do. And so I'm trying to change their mindset and let them use a little perspective in the fact that they've got, they're blessed to have such a job, but they can be even more blessed and bless the world if they can take a little pressure off themselves and heal with the passion that brought them into medicine rather than trying to make sure they're, they're feeding their family. So that's what the book's about. It's a personal finance book and you can insert engineer, lawyer, you know, street sweeper into the word doctor. It's, it's, kind of written to doctors, but all the tenants are basic tenants. And so I wrote it for them. I wrote it for anybody that wants something in simple words that will help them kind of figure out how to start, starting from why do you really want to have anything extra all the way through 
partly what to do. You know, I don't necessarily tell you how to go buy an apartment complex or flip a house, but you know, I can give you the resources to get there. And it's, it's, it's more about mindset. That's why, uh, just to try to be useful. You know, everybody thinks you have to replace your income and quit your job. Well, a lot of people really don't want to quit their job. Those that do, this book's going to help them do that. Those that don't, I just want to take a little pressure off so they enjoy both. You know, you don't have to, you just need to take a little, a little bit of pressure, a little bit of financial, financial burden off and uh, life gets a little softer. It gets a little more fun. You smile more. So my mantra has always been to have fun no matter what you're doing. So that's why I travel. That's why I meet a lot of people. That's why I hang around all those folks you talked about, Victor, because I just run into a lot of people and it's, it's my hot button, you know, put me on a plane or put me in a group of people and I'm happy. So that's why I wrote the book. Maybe it'll get me around some more people. I love it. And, you know, one of the things that's always impressed me about you, you know, I know a number of doctors and physician burnout is a big thing. It's it's not just talked about in the press. It's very real. A lot of them experience a lot of pressure to produce because the overheads are high by the time they paid their malpractice insurance premium and uh, the front office staff and the back office staff, the rent, the overheads are high. So there's a lot of pressure to produce. You're feeding a lot of families, a single doctor is feeding upwards of a dozen families at times. Right, right. You're still carrying that overhead, but you've taken your foot off the gas. It's not right to the floor so that you can actually enjoy what you're doing. Exactly. Well, I, not to boast, but over 10 years ago, now it's close to 12 years now, I replaced my orthopedic income. So I didn't need it 10 years ago. And I don't always get paid. I don't work so hard. So my foot's really off the gas. I'm coasting downhill, but I love it. I could compare W-2s for 2019 and it would be lower than most people, like probably everybody on the call. I barely almost made close to zero, but I enjoyed the year. So I still haven't found anything that as, that's as fulfilling. I love doing a deal. It's fun. I liked writing the book. I love speaking to groups. That's nearly as fulfilling as being a doctor. I think the two are kind of the same. So I don't think I'm anything special. I'm just doing what I really like. So and now I got the money to do it so I can do both. So I'm just lucky, maybe. So if someone wants to buy the book, if they want to get in touch, what's the best way? So it's not out yet, but it's coming. If you will go to richdoctor.com, you can sign up, you can pre-order. And if you pre-order, I'll send you a free ebook copy along with it. I love it. Well, thank you, Tom. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and your wisdom with us today. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Dr. Tom Burns at richdoctor.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. 